is Saturday, the 13th of March, 2021, and this is episode 392 of Digital Outbox. Welcome along to another slightly belated episode. I am Chris and Ian has dragged me along for the fun and games. Uh, morning, Chris. I was going to, I was going to say we're not far away from the 400, but I couldn't pace that's next year. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes, there's been a couple of weeks where we haven't uh, managed to get, well, I haven't managed to get my act together. So anyway, we're here now. There's a fair bit of news to get through, so we're going to hopefully just crack on through and give you an overview of what's been happening since we last spoke to you in the tech world. And when we did last speak to you, we were touching on a news story that was around, again, it's kind of flared up again, where um, News Corporation, so um, of, I think, Sun Times, Sunday Times, New York Times, various different um, platforms were saying, right, we are not letting Google, or we want to charge Google for use of our content. Google basically said that's not how the internet works. There was an argument around that. Again, sort of we've seen this play out several times through. Um, and Google eventually said, well, we'll just have to stop putting any content on there. And it sort of came around and eventually um, Google now have agreed to uh, support News Corp um, and news stories being added to their kind of various services. Um, so they've come to some sort of in intermediate you know agreement which everyone seems reasonably happy with um yeah um it's it's one of those i i think this was always a bit it's just been murky i think since you know google facebook and others where you know you know i guess the, the you know the actual hard copy newspapers were declining and people wanted free content online i don't think there's an easy way of solving this um, I'll, I'll, you know, there's a. I don't think the approach Australia were taking, where they were trying to charge for links, is is the right approach. And equally, I do think it is on Google and some of these other companies that do make, you know, they do make money off the back of a journalist article that they should be throwing some money their way. So there's a, it's a difficult mm. one. I mean, there was, there was the balancing was always, you know, that News Corp was saying, right, we're going to shove everything behind a paywall, which they ended up doing. Yep. And then it was like, well, then they don't get exposure anywhere because no one gets to read and and have their articles but then equally if they left them in front of a paywall um then google rather than just sort of linking through to these sites um started aggregating and placing content it's like google and facebook started aggregating and placing this content sort of up front so it was then the it was the you know the journalists content but with none of the supporting infrastructure around advertising that, you know, the advertising revenue was going to Google rather than to the thing. And that's where this whole thing sort of stuck and who owned that content, who was able to to display sort of the summary text and, and you know, all those kind of things. So, yeah, I mean, we had the same thing in Australia with the Facebook story. Um, so it, we were... We were faced with a situation where Facebook kind of said, okay, well, we just won't have any news on our, there won't be a news tab on our Facebook in Australia. But they have now also come to uh, an agreement and they said that Facebook has refriended Australia. But <laughs> we, we've seen this kind of couple of times and, and it, it is, and, you know, whilst it seems not, not I don't know, it, it seems like it does come to the fundamentals of what the internet is and how does it work. You know, given that there is content there, it costs money to produce that content. And if you haven't got the income to support the production of that content, then obviously it's not a model that's going to last. And do we value the content there? And arguably, and you know whether it's, it's a fair argument, it's, it's yet to be seen, but you could say that the standard of in-depth journalism is not the same as it was. We Certainly the prevalence of journalism we get exposed to every day is very, very clickbait, um, yes. very, very... Uh, extremist almost you know in your face to get that attention draw you in rather than being this balanced reasonable argued position which you might expect a, a strong bit of journalism to be and i think social media has driven a lot of that you know that that you know needs to be controversial so you need to have a, sensationalism you know and, and yeah. you know you need to get more people to see it because it drives in money because you'll serve up more ads and and that that I think has and, and you, we saw it this week with the, you know Piers Morgan and some of the comments there. You know, Timmy, he's a prime example of somebody right on the edge of what you would say as a journalist. 
you know, he's, he's, you know. Well, it doesn't seem very journalistic, does no, it? No, but it's... deliberately, you know, p- picks an angle, whether he, whether he thinks it's right or wrong, but picks the angle that he knows is going to, you know, get him attention. Um, and I think we've seen lots of people doing it, um, mostly on the right, um, less so on the left. But I think, you know, there's equally ones on the left as well that do it as well. They really will just rake over, you know, the actual story and pull out the bits they want to expose and 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 then you get your headline and then you get your clicks. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen it time and time again and never apologised when they found out to be lying. You know, that's the that's the that's the beast we're in right now. And so, and so many of the social, you know, social media relies on our basest instincts. Instincts is kind of the yeah. stuff that just we yep. do naturally. We we're inquisitive. We see a station that sensational storyline, we click on it, and therefore that's the only thing we click on. And then the only way that you know this can be balanced out is by other people generating more. So it's more, more, more always to get that sort of analytics around what people are doing and what they're clicking on, and and that endless chase for that and and it's kind of been clicks drive revenue and therefore that's what they've had to do rather than quality it's not quality driven it's you know exposure driven which is you know i, I guess in some respects it's always been like that newspapers have always had the sensationalist headline right and it's not until you get into the storyline but it's almost it's amped up because it's so immediate and repetitive and and ever you know it's always there yeah i don't know if it's ramped up or just more people doing it you know because you, you had your tabloid press always doing it um, but it, but it was it felt controlled. It felt it only came from you know like maybe like a dozen or half a dozen places. Whereas now it's anybody can do it. And and all the even the tech tech news all has it. You know it's yeah. not they won't have a headline which tells you what the content of the thing is. It will, you know, X developer has left these critical features out and people are up in arms and that will be the link you have to click on to understand what that story is about and it, and then you get into the story and it's nothing and you think I mean it really destroys trust as well um, on that on that front. Um, Uber, we've had an update. This has been a long running story, <laughs> you know, like we used to have our financial stories, Uber and, and the gig economy in general and what it means to be one of these intermediate service providers. So Uber has had a ruling and its drivers um, are now considered to have been uh, employees. So essentially, the judge said there were so many restraints put on those drivers um, and uh that you know their ability to work was s- driven so much by this 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 service the uber service um that they couldn't be considered to be self-employed at that point so eventually they said they therefore they are employed and that means that they are entitled to uh holiday pay all the statutory rights associated with employment and also there's obviously the financial implication for uber having now employees rather than just being an as they call themselves this intermediate service company which is uh, literally matching uh, users to sort of end suppliers, uh, and and that has VAT implications as well. So there's all sorts of different things that are going to currently with this ruling are going to affect Uber. But you know Uber are still arguing the case, so it's not the end of it currently. But it's certainly showing a direction of opinion around the gig economy and what that means. Uh, yeah, and the gig economy, I think, you know, although you know it's it's, it's not something we maybe, maybe cover that much on on the podcast, but they are more linked to. You know, like your deliveries and, and other tech companies who have really, you know, really driven that, that that way of working. And there's always been that spin of this is what people want. A lot of people, uh, so there are a lot of people that it does work for, but there's a lot of people that it doesn't work for. It's just this is their own alternative. And, you know, the, the, the downside of not, you know, not being in a union, you know, not being able to, you know, not paid holidays, you know, some things that just people take for granted. Um, that this, you know, there's a whole swathe of society now of just, you know, almost losing out on. So, I think we will probably see, you know, Uber's more expensive and, you know, sort of some of the things like, you know, delivery apps, you know, will, and again, we've used, probably used delivery apps. You know, if you think of um, Deliveroo and Just Eat, I mean, they have, they have absolutely, and they're still not making a profit, but but their sales have went through the roof, particularly through COVID, because so many restaurants are now, the only way they can get, the only way they're keeping afloat is, you know, Yeah, they've seen a massive delivery. expansion in those use and restaurants signing up to that because of a simple way of delivery of yeah. those services but, but no how to get to your customers yeah, yeah there's no right. choice yeah. you know so i've right. seen restaurant there's a restaurant just down the road from me and they just they just pivoted straight away into the kind of box delivery service and either you can come and pick it up or somebody will take it to you and um, that was their only alternative or else it was you know basically shut for what nine months out of the last year yeah yeah no absolutely yeah uh, i'd say the same same for a lot of the so even local places around here as well um um, yeah, uh, 
Anyway, arguments for and back, and this won't be the last we hear of this story. It's been long running, and it will continue to run. Another story um, around hacking and big companies. We had SolarWinds not too long ago, which may be less so consumer-focused, but extremely organizationally-focused. Same with this one. Microsoft um, email servers, their exchange servers, have a flaw in them, um, which needs an urgent patch, and this has been an actively used flaw um, by foreign, um, as they call them, foreign invaders. Um, And and because these are self-hosted email servers, um, it's up to the owner of that server, which, which will be small businesses and probably old because I don't think people would do a, a necessarily an exchange server nowadays. So I think it sort of by their nature, they're small, small independent companies running a little server in their back office. They need to update them. And if they don't, they're exposed and the chances are they're being hacked. Um, and that we've seen kind of a lot of, of sort of rush to try and let people know, but it's but it's equally you know they're struggling with that process yeah and the figures are hard i mean it's seven seven thousand servers in the uk is what the national cyber security center have estimated and they reckon there's still three thousand um that are at risk and as you say it's that it's a challenge around you know a small business when you start up will probably balk at the i'm not paying somebody else to do this i can just do it myself i could download this i can install it microsoft are probably really happy that you're just using their software and great 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 um, but the obsolescence challenge and keeping it up to date and the security risk is is huge. Um, and, Ultimately, and, it's taking web traffic in, channeling it into your network, and and shuffling it around, isn't it? So it's that's. And I guess risk. there's two angles to this. It's the you know what data could you know a hacker get, but also it's back to malware and just just ransom you know just hijacking your company. Um, so there's a. Oh, it's it's really ugly. I just I just think we're going to see more of this. You know, we're only in March and we've had you know two massive stories this year. Yeah, with two massive stories, uh, but I also think there's an element of um, it's good that we're being exposed to these because the chances are that these hacks and these security flaws have only been worse in the past. We just didn't know about them. So the fact that we get a bit more visibility of them is probably a good thing in that, uh, yes, people are responding now better, more openly um, with you know a bit more speed. And, and you know when they do find something that's not just buried um, or, or ignored, um twitter has added some new features and functionality they've they've sort of been chatting around some of their stuff they're going to be doing they've added super follow um and this is uh, you know in a similar way to you might go and join someone's patreon account to support the work they do twitter is allowing you to now go and do a super follow on a i guess a celebrity or blue tick of your choice uh, i think it's limited at the moment to uh, certain people but nevertheless you will be able to say oh, i want to give you five dollars a month to support the work you do um and i guess like that's just a a way of trying to divert some of the money that has to go through a service like patreon currently into their own pockets because hey you've already got a twitter account so why not just activate this on your own twitter account and and it makes it makes some sense you know when you think about you know there's probably so, so twitter's probably where people will build up a lot of their you know their social network um but then other platforms have come along and said well we'll do the monetization piece um i mean you think you know the you know Twitter's run by Jack Dorsey. He also in Square, which does all that financial work. They're already looking at all of the stuff around, you know, Bitcoin as well. Um, so it makes some sense that if that's where I've got my social following, let's, you know, why don't you offer a way of you want to reward me? You know, you want to see my latest video first? Do you want to see it on this platform ahead of YouTube? You know, whatever the the opportunities well, are. Twitch has shown that you know there's a yeah, lot of money absolutely. out there willing to support people they enjoy the content of, and you know it's I'm I'm always bowled away by how many people subscribe to Twitch channels for you know almost decades it seems, yep. it seems like, and that's five dollars a month, and that's that quickly adds up to a quite a substantial chunk of cash that I, people are willing to spend. And what I was going to say, there seems to be more. I, I, I've not, and we're going to come on to it soon when we start talking about Spotify, but but I pay for a couple of podcasts um but I, I, I kind of the twitch bit has always been like a, that seems like a, a subscription too far for me and i know like a lot of mac softwares went subscription on and again that stopped me using it i know it's a better software but i'm like i'm not getting like a hundred dollars worth of value or even sixty dollars worth of value out of that software every year from now on and you, and you know i need to it's, it's dead easy when you think five dollars you think it's only five dollars a month it's buttons you know it's like uh what, a cup of coffees a month and the software, but but when you start doing that against three or four different tools, you're like, I, 
No, yeah, I'll just it does go add with up the, quick. Yeah, yeah, it adds up quick. Um, so I, I, I just think it's a good thing. And there's another another part to it. So Clubhouse has had a lot of chatter, but I think it's had a lot of chatter amongst like tech community, a bit like when Twitter first started. Um, and again, Twitter's going to launch their Spaces equivalent, um, seemingly to everybody next month. And and again, that's tied in with the Super Follow bit as well. So you can start hosting your own um, like like audio type chat events. And again. I think they're tying in some money there where you can start to, you know, you can reward people as you're watching a particular space and all that good stuff. So some of the, you know, for me, it doesn't seem so compelling. Uh, I guess people wanting like community first content and all that kind of stuff is interest to them. I mean, but to be honest, that's far more than you get with, say, a Twitch thing. You know, Twitch is completely up to the streamer, what they offer. And most of the time it's no, it's, you, you get a couple of emotes and people seem willing to, do that they yeah. want to just be feel part of that community and, and willing what, to pay and support and what, doing I've, it, what, so. I've, what i've seen with the podcast sorry for talking about what i've seen with the That's podcast right. is um um i've seen so there's a couple one one of them that i follow it's extra content so you get a little bit extra content or it can be ad free or and I, the ads never really bother me in podcasts that i'm listening to they're, they're so short you know i don't you know and again it's dead easy just to skip on you know 30 seconds or whatever and um but there are a couple that are that are basically they're sub only you know, there's if you if you want this, fifty dollars a year, and again, of the, the it's it's back to the you know it's a you know do you get the value out of it? Yes or no? Yeah, which is different for everyone, and that's what this whole thing is. So yeah. anyway, let's watch that one. It certainly seems like Twitter are making moves. You know, they're certainly feeling a bit more dynamic at the moment, looking looking for different uh, angles yeah, and, and look, revenue streams and all that. Because they're also talk about it finally treating like. Um, um, digital content with a bit more a, a bit more common sense, you know. So the up to now they'll compress the hell out of video, they'll compress the hell out of, of images. Um, that's changing. So they've they're already beta testing, you know, nice four K sharp images and video that's not compressed. So, but I think they need to do that to allow them to unlock somebody putting their content on it. Because why would you want to put your content on if it's compressed to hell? So, yeah, yeah I think we're going to see a you know a little bit more innovation from Twitter. So we mentioned Square in that previous story, but they have so they're a, a financial tech company. Is that right? Um, yes. Um, they got. I think you can you can have a Square Bank account, can you? Or at least in you can come you can get access to accounts. Square's, Square's big thing was um, making it easy. Remember, have terminals inside your shop and stuff like that, and and that that's what right, drove okay. them early days. But they're, but they're they're into a whole other different you know I guess tech financial angles, particularly now they're into you know um, Bitcoin and. Um, well, now they're into music streaming. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so they've bought title. Well, they bought a majority stake in Tidal. Yeah, um, and it kind of it feels like a weird fit at the moment uh, as to why uh, this financial tech company would want to have a music streaming service. They've um, spent two hundred ninety-seven million dollars to 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 buy it, so they're clearly staking something in it. Um, I mean, has it come to head? What what particularly was their thought process? So there was a there was a tie up between so so Jay Z was was basically the owner of Tidal. So him and him and Jack Dorsey have been tying up recently, but this kind of came out of nowhere. But it seems to be back to the financial side of things, so that they believe they can start to offer artists opportunities to make you know money in a different way. So streaming, I think, is really you know I think it's really good for consumers, but it's really hurt artists, and it's it's, it's forced them into you know touring's been a big thing for them, and you know you know maybe you know selling you know merch directly to you know fans has been another avenue, and we're into and this is where this is we're in danger of going down a rabbit hole, which I'm kind of desperately trying to avoid because I think we could spend an hour talking about these and just be like lost, but there's a big a big thing within the tech circle and the financial community right now called NFTs. So non-fungible tokens. Um, so it's basically selling a bit of digital something, could be art, music, video, whatever you want it to be, and you're the unique owner of it uh, um, on, a, on a blockchain. Um, and the money that some of these are going for is phenomenal. You know, there was one, there was a, do you remember the, the million, was it the million pixel ad thing that was done years ago. Oh, it was ago. the million dollar website. Yeah, yes, yes. So somebody last night sold an equivalent for $69 million. Cracky, Riley. Um, you know, Grimes has sold content for $6 million. Um, some of the, you know, Logan Paul has sold, um, I think, some sort of Pokemon digital card for $20,000. And it all feels mm. a bit like, it's all like, it's well-moneyed people 
investing in it's almost like fine art they're, they're taking a point that this is the next fine art and we're seeing you know we're seeing you know lloyd's and some of the other big art houses jumping on this quickly because it's clearly a you know it's a threat but also they see the opportunity so they're using effect what it sounds like and i haven't really d- dug into this at all like say it sounds like they're using these non-fungible tokens as blockchain is being used as an authority to say i am the owner just a bit like you own a crypto you know bitcoin or whatever yep. you own this uh, and no one else can own that it's just not possible for anyone else to own it so in a digital world where content can be reproduced and put anywhere um, you can still be classed as the owner of that and potentially then protect all the rights against that going forward. So if something does get copied, you've got much more of a stake on that is mine. And therefore, any money that comes from it is mine. Um, Definitely. But the, the dishy thing is there's nothing to stop me selling, you know, a, a pixel art version of you, for example, and you buy it for 20 grand. There's nothing to then stop me saying, but actually, here's another, that's the original here's another 20 copies that you can go and buy as well. And it's like, yeah. but it's the same thing. It's the same digital uh, say, thing. It, it, I think we were speaking just before the podcast, you know, it's different in, in a world of forgery or when someone makes a copy, it's not yeah. the original, is it? Whereas yeah. in digital world, you can have exactly the same thing. It just isn't considered to be the original yet. It's exactly the same as the original. So uh, it's a kind of, yeah, it's weird. But I, I guess the reason that there's money flowing around is because people have been sold the idea that yeah that this does have some gravity to it and and blockchain is definitely becoming more and more of a thing in our daily lives that uh whilst you know there's still argument as to whether bitcoin is going to last um i think the idea of this blockchain authority on on ownership is uh something that's going to creep wider and we also can see that more and and and, I, and it's, it's strange because I could understand like twitter buying tidal in some ways because you're trying to you know do something with streaming and but not, but not a financial company. So clearly, they're seeing the opportunity. But equally, uh, if they've got people like Jay Z that are able to go and uh, encourage all their artists to come across to a service where they get the deal, rather than uh, you know it going to still record labels or uh, you know other places, it can be attractive to absolutely uh, I, artists who are currently you know they need a million streams to get a dollar or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one, not it's not scalable. And one of Dorsey's comments that new ideas are found at the intersection. So clearly they're just looking at opportunities. Um, although it was two hundred and ninety seven million, it's probably cheap for, you know, you know, the, the kind of catalogue that's that Tidal's got available to it. And all the setup costs and all the things that go along Absolutely. with it. Absolutely. And, and so, like that, so yeah. friend of the show, Jack, he still subscribes to Tidal because of the quality he likes the interface, but they also stream at a higher quality. Nice little segue into our next story because Spotify are due to launch a high-end subscription service with what they're calling CD quality, a lossless audio format. So this has been kind of an argument over many years, really, with Spotify. The the the, the bit rates of the of your standard account are very low, really, um, comparatively. They did on the sort of higher subscriptions they did offer a higher quality um rate uh, bit rate but it seems like they're now moving up to that what they're calling lossless audio format which you know in a world where we're seeing 4k content being streamed you know across all the services it's kind of strange that spotify hasn't moved to that earlier um but i guess the data you know the data ex- extremities on that are higher but just because of, you know it's, it's you know exponentially more data being p- Pummel down or funnel down your, your pipes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean Tidal do it, done it for ages. Um, Amazon do it. Um, Spotify didn't, and it now leaves Apple Music as the the only one that hasn't hasn't got that high high end service, which is which really surprising. You would have thought would be the first thing that would be ticked off on the Apple uh, list. So I, I don't know if you years ago iTunes had a some sort of it was a Ma- iTunes master or something they called it and with it, so you paid a little bit extra and you got a far better quality and this was back in the day when you had iTunes and you actually bought music and you downloaded it digitally <laughs> and they made such a thing about it they've brought out their their their, their new AirPod Max which is all about you know 500 and something quid for you know a fantastic set of headphones that people really love but you'd need to get Amazon Tidal Spotify to listen to better quality stream music it's a bit like having, you know, a 4K TV, but you're shoving SD content out. That's all you've got to stream on your service. Yeah? Well, so your I've, TV's wasted. My, my SNES is still... still No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. So that's... Yeah. I, I, is it give, have we got prices and timescales yet? Yeah, no, I just said it's a, a premium offering. 
But they're also going to be uh, dipping into paid for um, podcasts. So instead of, you know, podcasts have traditionally been that free service, that free over the air, available to anyone on any service. Um, but they are heading and, you know, we saw them dip into the podcast arena. So they've been attracting people across and now they want to add the monetization to, I guess, sustain that process. Um, and again, uh, you know, <laughs> I've got to be careful what I say. There are some podcasts that have a, a you know very very high production. It is the new radio, if you like. It's the way they disseminate high end journalism or whatever. So there's some there's some bits that they they have real people running real jobs off the back of their podcasts, and I guess that again needs to be funded somehow. And traditionally, that on podcasts that's been done by advertising. But I guess this is saying, hey, we got a platform here. We can we can put put a gate in front of it and 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 monetize it that way for people who like your content and want it that will be appealing. Uh, absolutely. Um, and as you say, when you look at some of the, and, and it's not even the ones that are from the traditional, you know, like your BBCs and the other, you know, the other, you know, what I would say are, you know, you know, content providers. Some of these are just, you know, you're paying for, you know, you know, somebody at home to be your editor, somebody at home to be an audio engineer, you know, somebody, especially with COVID, but also for, for some people it might be hiring at studios or getting the right equipment and, you know, that it, it all comes at a cost. You know, and if you look at things like the odd traveling you know, to go and meet and interview people yeah, and doing all the just general day to day expenses, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I, and it's in, as I said, it's interesting that they're that they're going down. So, Spotify have invested heavily around podcasts, so they bought a number of exclusive. You know, they, they've bought existing ones and said the only place you can listen to it's on Spotify, which I absolutely hate, but I get it. They're seeing that as a you know, you come to us and. Uh, by all accounts, Apple are about to start doing the same and start something have some exclusive only. You know, hear it in Apple Music. Whether that ends up being the right decision, we don't know yet. It, no, yeah. it, it really, it really goes against what I think podcasting is and was. But but if you look at digital content now, and you, and you, and you compare where we are today with even five years ago. With you know, everybody talked about Netflix is going to kill your skies, and you know it'd be great. But all we're doing is we're spending more because everybody wants that ten dollars a month or fifteen dollars a month, and everybody's got really good content in each of their platforms. It's 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 expensive, you know. No matter, and and I, and I just see it as there will be some, you know, it, it, what they're talking about here is almost like add-ons, so you'll still be able to listen to the core and and. As I explained earlier, there's a, there's a podcast I listen to that, that they do it that way. It's a, you get some extra content. That's that's the that's what you're paying for. Not only you're rewarding them for listening every week, but you're getting a little bit extra back. And that seems to be what they're going to drive down initially. Um, but there's, I, I, there's, I think we're going to see more and more podcasts being monetized, especially when you look at some of the, the listening figures for some of the really popular ones are. You know, it is millions and millions now problem is uh you can have millions and millions of users listening to a free podcast and the transfer over to the number of those millions and millions of users and therefore how attractive you are to an advertiser reduces massively if you're suddenly going down to a hundred thousand if you've got millions if you suddenly go down to a hundred thousand users that are willing to pay they may tail off as well you know it's one of those things where it just so it, the newspapers face it as well so we talked about newspapers earlier it was do we gate content and therefore massively reduce the readership of our uh, websites um, and therefore reduce completely the interest of advertisers uh, whilst we get a little bit of money from the people who really do want to pay for that content. And I think whilst, you know, I think News Corp are probably the only ones that have persevered really with their um, gated content. Most of the others leave it open but sort of leave messages on, on the screen to say, please help us, please support our work um, because they want they can't afford to lose that you know, one point whatever million users that would listen to it for free. And I think this is also, I, I'm, I'm just, the, the other bit around this, we've talked about it as if it's just paid content. The other bit they try to do is almost find the, it's almost like what what is the next edge around podcasting? So I mentioned Clubhouse, which has got really buzzy around, because uh, again, the way you get, you know, they've, they've limited how you get in. And if you've got in, you can, you can share an invite to somebody else. But it's lots of VCs talking and a lot of kind of tech celebrities talking and, um, and what they're also looking at is things like, you know, could you be listening to a podcast that's live and be interactive? You know, so can they do things like Q and A's? Can they do polls? You know, so you just, you just think, you know, think of like question time. You know, if you could yeah. actually interact, well, a live radio show is in, yeah. in effect. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. if you can interact, and you look at all the top radio shows that are really popular. Um, 
you know, so so I can see I can see this really driving, you know, almost like a next a next generation. You know, think of all the politics that happens in day to day life, and you know, if you've got a you know live podcast running, you know, daily, weekly, the listenership, the engagement you could get from that. So there's, I, I definitely see where they're going. I just just not convinced that you will get that massive audience willing to throw in. I think the, I, I can see somebody throwing in a subscription to an overall service, you know, a bit like an audiobook type thing. You know, here's my ten a month. But what not, Spotify are going for? Not not individual <laughs> shows. Yep. I just can't see individual shows getting the, the same vo- you know same volume. If you want to listen to those shows on the go, you can now with Sonos Roam, which is their latest uh, officially announced portable speaker. Pre-orders have started. $169 this has been set at. And this is basically, they they had the, um, was it the Sonos Move, I think, or something um, that they had previously, but kind of considered a bit bulky. This one is very much can place into, you know, your bag or whatever, take with you pretty easily or, in, you know, take it in your laptop bag or whatever. Um, and apparently pretty reasonable um, sound quality from what is essentially a small device. Um, yeah, it's got people quite excited because um, again, it does. It, Sonos have got this thing called TruePlay, which it, you know detects where you are in the room and optimizes it, and it and it does this all the time. And and there was another smart thing, which was um, it will hand over music. So once you're in, the, if you're home and stuff, it will hand over where you are. It does this by sending it inaudible pitches around different speakers, and it's and it's like this is getting getting quite smart. Um, so yeah. So that whole thing of you could be walking along with your little speaker, listening on your picnic, and then you walk back in the house, and the house will take back over. Yeah, sound swap, sound swap. Hold the play pause button and talk for three seconds. The room will pass the music. It's playing to whatever other Sonos speaker your system is closest to. And I've been quite the the, the HomePod Mini's got the the little um, the little U. Was it what was it U something chip? Um, so basically, I can take if I was listening to a podcast on, I was out for a walk and I come home, I just I just point at the HomePod and it starts playing, um, and it's it's doing that little handover and I was like, how is how are Sonos doing this? And it's a little bit of audio. It's just like ah, clever, clever, clever. Genuinely always listening. Oh, I don't see that. I wonder if it could be hacked. Mm. Interesting. Apple has decided they are going to discontinue the original HomePod. So that that was their slightly larger speaker that was designed for your stereo kind of in your lounge or whatever, or anywhere where you wanted some room-filling sound, as they called it, um, on the higher end of quality. Um, but they have kind of discontinued that now, and they are going to focus on their um, the home... Is it HomePod Mini? Um, so, yeah, so this is... And this is the... I guess it's only slightly... It's, it's kind of like Alexa size, right? A little, um, little HomePod site size. So it's not... Yeah, it's like an Echo Dot size. Is So is that small? Um, Echo, Echo Dot. It's, it's literally... Um, you know, it's it's you know it's good good for a podcast. It's it's about what two and a half inches, three inches so, high. Couple of hockey pucks on top of each other for our Canadian listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, uh, but anyway, I guess um, it's kind of a shame that uh, I, they they kind of sold this to us as this is a great solution for your home, and now being discontinued. What does that mean for the users that have it already? Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what and and so. A couple, couple of nasty things around this. Um, did this late Friday night, you know, so you kind of wake up Saturday morning and lots of people very disgruntled that, you know, they're, they're, the product they've got that they spent 300 quid on, so it wasn't cheap. Um, and actually people bought two of them because they worked really nice as a stereo pair with the app, with your telly and Apple TV. And, and by all accounts, it was a fantastic sound, um, but it was too expensive. And and getting the, the so even though it had all these you know mics on it, it just wasn't reliable enough. Um, HomePod Mini has, has come along. It's hundred quid, which is probably too expensive still. Um, and they're selling loads of those. But the other, I think the other challenge was the chipset in it is is just you know not a standard. Whereas they've got Apple, you know they're quite like to, you know especially where they're going with Apple Silicon, they they like their standardised chipsets everywhere. And this this was a bit of a pig in a poke. So I I, mm. I guess the other challenge would be people have these two hundred quid speakers that, what a year from now might stop getting updates. You know, a year from now you might not get new features that that other people are going to get. And I guess it's different. Like 
computer systems, it's quite regular that people will update their computers every couple of years, three years. Hi-fi systems is you generally invest and you kind of stick for a bit. Certainly for the averages, I'm guessing an audio file would move around, but certainly you'd want to think there's a, if, if you've only just bought a couple of these pods, you know, you would have thought, oh, I'm going to get a fair amount of use out of these. You know, you've got to at least think five years worth of use but it sounds like now that that that's maybe it's not confirmed dead as in i'm sure they will get supported but it's not the direction that things so the developments are not going to happen in their area so they're not going to get updates regularly no and i guess the, the, the other the other two bits to maybe think through is um we're not far away from an announcement so they're reckoning there's a product announcement before the end of this month um which has always been rumored to be um ipads um, so iPads and maybe the little tags have been talking around um, Apple TV is three years since an update so maybe there is something coming to maybe not replace it but do something different um, but but it just feels also they've kind of seeded they've seeded that high end audio market again and just said this doesn't work because it, the, the HomePod Mini it's fine for me in podcasts and a bit of music in a small office but it's not a great no, it's not. I wouldn't sit there and go, oh, if you're an audiophile, you're going to love this. Um, whereas I think that's what the HomePod was definitely going for. And Amazon have absolutely won this. You know, they they have got their devices. They work really well. Um, and I and I know there's a whole thing around privacy between them and Google. But 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 you know, they have absolutely you know stomped this market. Um, so it's interesting just to see our Apple, you know, our Apple giving up because even the HomePod Mini, I can see it's like you know, I've now got a money for a product that doesn't exist. You know, there's no HomePod. There's just a HomePod Mini. Yeah. Is that going to get rebranded just as the HomePod? Is that should that have been what it was all along? Who knows? But it's the second second week in a row Apple have killed a product. So last Friday they killed the iMac Pro, um, which was released right. three years ago, um, five grand. Clearly, that was a stopgap between it and the Mac Pro, and with the new iMacs coming out with Apple Silicon, I guess there's no market now for the iMac Pro, so that got killed. So two Fridays in a row they've killed products. So, so I'm thinking, what are they killing next Friday? Is this, uh, I also hate the fact that they're doing it on a Friday. Just come out and own it rather than try to hide it away. It's just crap. Yeah, but these people know much more than we do about how to keep earning money for their oh, shareholders, and that's why they do it. I know. That's why they do it. Um, Epic, remember them? Um, Fortnite fame and their app battle with Apple's App Store. Well, they took that battle to um, Europe and to the UK and... Basically, Europe said, "No, nah, we, you, you've got. We're not going to hear this case. Basically, there's not, there's not a case to answer. So this was around: is it okay for Apple to force them to spend or purchase their money or ongoing subscription through the App Store, which takes a thirty percent cut or whatever the cut happens to be for for them as a as a as a company?" And Europe said, "Yep, you're you've signed up to it." Um, they're, they're they're very clear on their regulations, and and so that there's nothing to be heard here. Um, they tried again in, say, the UK with the same argument, but that also got rejected. Um, again, for I think for similar reasons, you know, they're just not persuaded that the argument has... Um, in fact, I think in the UK they said it wasn't really a battle that UK should be fighting. It should be... It's a, it, the, Our jurisdiction is not the place where we can argue this. It should be argued in the US, uh, where we've already had the argument, you know, that rejected. But nevertheless... They are in the UK investigating the unfair App Store claims. So maybe whilst they can't look at it specifically with this case and how it works for you know Epic as a developer and, and what that means, maybe they have got the authority to look at this from a different angle about UK firms who are having to go through this kind of thing. And therefore, the jurisdiction does lie in the relationship between a UK firm or whatever. So there's still maybe something coming out of this um, and certainly it's being looked at as to whether it is fair that say people are forced to take payments through an app store which then forces them to have to pay a cut of that payment to uh, a payment provider with no no variability and nothing you know it's just a a, a blanket figure uh, yeah and i think i think in some cases there probably is something to answer there but um, it's, al- it's also interesting because the, the, if you look at the Microsoft and Sony gaming platforms, it's exactly the same way they work. Um, so there's a real there's a real tension around all these, you know, digital stores, what cut you need to pay, and uh, what the rules are around it all. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I, I can because I think it's, I think Europe is also investigating Apple for App Store as well. So I think I think Apple have 
I, I do wonder if we'll start to see some changes just just around. And we did see that tail end of last year where they started saying, well, you can we'll change this and we'll do this after a year and there'll be things you can do. Uh, and it didn't really answer. And, and what was it under a, if you earn under a million, we won't tax you or something. There was yeah, some they, changed some, they yeah. changed some, which they said then brought nearly everyone yeah. who developed apps inside of that, that bracket. Yeah. yeah, everybody but Epic. Yeah, it was decided by their turnover levels yeah um but so even though epic's own challenges may be failing i think what you can argue is that their challenges have certainly made movement happen in this whole arena and the visibility of all these things so whilst they you could say they're wasting money um you know chasing stuff that they're not going to win you can also see the the market and the environment is changing because probably of the pressure and the visibility of what they're doing so ultimately that they may still get what they want out of it we saw in london amazon opened its first tillless um uh, grocery store so this has been in the u.s and we spoke about it i guess maybe a year ago something like that i can't remember exactly but these are stores where you literally go in um, you tell the store you're there and then it watches you as you go in the shop. It sees what you put into your basket. There's cameras everywhere. Um, it sees what you put into your basket and effectively you walk out of that store without going and visiting a checkout person. You just, and, and it will charge you for the items that you have uh, taken out of the store. Um, so it's got that, they call it frictionless. Um, privacy people are saying it's freaking frightening that they're watching you. This is like a, an invasion of your privacy just for wanting to go shopping. Um, I think that kind of reduces the fact that, of course, when you go through a till, they're recording all the stuff that goes through the till. So yeah. I'm not sure it really... I guess the whole point is it, it, it is all around the visuals of things rather than it's a sort of a transaction of product going through a till. Uh, whilst they could tie that back to you, this one is very much, this is you as a person and, and that is the data they're recording. They can, They're having to do, your, you know, facial recognition, all those kind of things to enable them to do this tracking and make sure they know what's being put into your basket. I think I think the other bit for me was there's, a, there's another layer they can track. You know, so they could track, you know, do you do you go to the, the shelf where there's four different types of beans and do you look at the label and or do you just pick sure, the one that's a certain colour? They do all that analysis anyway, right? Exactly. So. <laughs> but but I think I think this just feels this just feels big data. Uh, yeah. It just feels like there's more it's it's more obvious that it's happening you know so of course that's what's happening in supermarkets right now and the, the cameras everywhere aren't to stop people stealing the cameras everywhere to see what you do you know and that's that's yeah. that's where that's and and originally it was all about you know stealing but it, it's, it's evolved as software and analysis and ai's come in all that is now getting tracked around here's the attractive shelf here's what people look at here's what catches the eye here so that's and I guess there's the whole argument of yeah so you could be going into the the you know the the medical aisle or whatever and you're looking at products for a particular ailment that you then don't end up buying so that would never go through the old traditional data yet now they have seen that pause maybe you're looking at baby you know baby stuff and you know they now know <laughs> that you're in that region I guess that's all information they can then use to to say hey well maybe we should start advertising um, baby products to this person when they on they when they're visiting Amazon. And I think that was what was in my head was that was the you know, so you're walking in with your app and saying you know Ian's here, and at that point it's obviously tagging me visually as Ian's here. Whereas I think in a supermarket right now, I'll wander around and nothing will tag me that uh, that it's that it's Ian wandering around. I think that's just a subtle difference round. There's another there's another layer of data here that you're going to get. They're saying it doesn't involve facial recognition. So what, right. they're, what they're saying is, I think it just knows when you come in and you tag that, I, I, that person is that thing. Um, mm. And I, I, again, I don't even know if it's triangulating around your 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 phone. I, I don't know how they do it because if it's I, voodoo. Yeah, well, well, it'd be interesting if two twins walked in wearing the same clothes. You know what would happen? You know, would 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 it would it be able to keep I'm up? Sure. I'm sure information will come out, and and I. Ultimately, it would be nice to go to a shop and just put stuff in a bag and, and hey, that's your job job done, isn't it? I guess ultimately also we should recognise that it's reducing all those human contact points that is. actually are probably quite important to our livelihoods and our, you know, best being human, right? So, and whilst I, I I will happily go to a, a, a you know, a, a, a do-it-yourself checkout yep. rather than visit a checkout staff, which is awful. 
right? I don't, I don't think it's awful. I just think it's, it's sometimes it's just convenience. It's um, convenience, but it's not always good. That's no, the thing. But, convenience has led to bad things. But a lot of supermarkets do the kind of scan and go. So you don't even need to go to the, you know, you don't even need to go to the scanner yourself. You're just doing it as you go around. And then you're just bagging as you go around and then you just walk out. You know, Apple but have we, done it for probably three, four years now where you can just pick up a, you know, a, I don't but know. But we're reducing human contact. We're reducing... Quite right. We're reducing jobs, you know. Uh, are we? And, uh, yeah, are we, because well, of the checkout. Are we? Are checkout we? support staff. Well, yeah. maybe shifting jobs. I'm not saying it's maybe shifting jobs. <laughs> anyway, you and I love not being able to have to, do, not having to talk to someone, well, <laughs> interact with anyone well, whilst we the, go for the, a shopping. The, the introvert wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, an interesting big data observation that I had, and it was kind of interesting. I don't know, again, you know, you hear all these kind of weird linkages that like, oh, I looked at something and then something else happened. So uh, I um, purchased Creativity Inc., the book from Amazon, uh, which is all around Pixar, the story of Pixar and how it, it came to be and, and, and all those things. Um, and then on YouTube, I think the following day after it arrived, um, the video that they talk about at the beginning, one of the first animations, computer animations of a hand, suddenly appeared in my YouTube stream. And, I, you know, it's just interesting, the linkage between buying something on Amazon and suddenly this video appears just after I'd read it. And it's just very spooky. It is, very, it's very horrible. Spooky. I find it horrible. Because it's, um, and, and as you say, there's just certain things. You know, I'll, I'll look at a website on the Mac and then next day on Instagram, I've said an advert for something very similar. And you're just like, oh, yeah. this is horrible. But isn't it amazing how it, you know, that that hand video has just been on YouTube forever, but they yeah. they just, and they clear, and I was interested in it. That's the, that's the thing. Actually, as soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, great, I can watch it. And then I, then it just, it was only then I thought, why the hell is that showing up in my YouTube feed? It's bizarre. Anyway, so, so the one the one that stood out. So see, when I was doing all my my gaming PC buying last year and and getting all my desks sorted, so the next day, almost the next day, day after, um, desk pads and little little officey type things, and and it was like, geez, and and but some yeah. of it actually worked well because you were like, okay, that's a that's it's a, interesting. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good that's a good link. Um, but it just feels it just feels dirty. It does a bit, yeah. You're right. Um, Nvidia, uh, they are now saying that their latest graphics cards. So this is their uh, 10, 3060 cards. They have deliberately scuppered them um, for crypto mining purposes. So effectively, they've taken or made the calculations that crypto miners will be doing um, sort of fifty percent slower or something like that. Um, so deliberately making them less appealing to try and stop people buying these graphic cards just for mining crypto coins and cryptocurrency. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I've already heard that it's pretty easy to bypass it, though. So it's it's maybe not been as successful as they they wanted. But I mean, ultimately, we can't buy graphics cards. We haven't been able to buy graphics cards for or the latest graphics cards for well over a year now, I'd say. And I think you got in just in time. Um, it, it, bizarrely, because I, so I bought what I, I bought this what July August, and probably the wrong time because I think you were saying well Nvidia's new cards are coming out, but I wanted Flight Sim, but Nvidia's new cards are coming out, Ian. And I remember when they it. launched. <laughs> I, well, I remember when they launched, and I was like, Chris was right. I have bought this at the wrong time. I want that new graphics card. You can't. You still can't. I'm just wet on scan just now. There's still two hundred. Oh, no. Still two hundred twenty-seven pre-orders. That's original yeah, you can't pre-orders buy anywhere. Yep. Um, and 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 there's, there's there's two reasons. One, um, scalpers. Um, two, they're not. Well, there's three reasons. Two, there's just a global chip shortage, just with the whole working from home and all the drive around the new consoles and all the drive around the new games and all that kind of stuff. And also, the price of Bitcoin is its highest ever. So it's now at forty three thousand pounds. Yeah, which makes that mining operation a lot more lucrative. Yeah, because me, mining, yeah. Ma- mining had taken a, an absolute nosedive. You know, people had invested and it was like, hold on, I'm mining away here and I'm not making money. It's cost me more than electricity. It's no point. Um, it, totally the opposite. It is, it is people are desperate for cards, desperate to start up mining. And I'm seeing, again, probably because I was looking at the NFTs and Bitcoin, I'm getting served up ads for here's what the mining rig you should buy and here's the CPU you should buy and here's the right graphics card you should buy. And it's like, no, I do not want a rig. And as as is the arguments going, I mean, I think it's almost a responsibility now of, of these kind of manufacturers to make things less efficient just because the 
the cut the electric cost of what is in effect it doesn't add anything to the whole process this is about verification processing and, and essentially confirming the blockchain right which is important to cryptocurrency but doesn't add any more value anywhere and it's just and it's a complete lottery it's a, it's not like it's a d dedicated resource going to a focused task it is deliberately a lottery um uh, and it's and it's therefore just it is a considered a waste of energy and with the amount of energy that it takes to do this thinking about all these you know in serial pro graphics cards just to spend all day every day just churning through it's it's maybe not such a good thing for our environment um so uh, there's definitely that angle angle uh, definitely so in, in february um bitcoin mining and energy consumption was more than what argentina was 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 costing in, in energy uh, and this is a whole challenge around the nfts yes it might be putting in money to you know you might be an investor and you might be putting money back into artists and all that good stuff but you're also the amount of energy you're consuming it, it just yeah. that that and again there's some new technologies and techniques that they're going to try and look at reducing the energy consumption because they know as people put more and more money in it just does not scale it's horrible Augmented reality and virtual reality. Remember those things? We spoke about them a couple of years ago. <laughs> They're still a thing. Uh, Microsoft has got a new mixed reality platform. I think it's got Microsoft Mesh. Um, and basically this is the uh, a kind of mashup. So you can be augmented reality or virtual reality. You can have these kind of interactive environments where you spend time with other people. Um, and say still very much they're thinking there's there's still a, a market for this. Um, uh, you know, and, and just on the back of that, Sony also saying its PlayStation Five VR headset is oh, it's been announced. I don't know if it's actually a, available yet. No, but it's, next year. So next year it's going to come out. So VR is still a thing, um, and it's probably still trying to find its home. Microsoft is clearly seeing it as these collaborative work uh, kind of environments, um, and and say Sony is still seeing it in that kind of play play area. But equally, Quest I think has nailed it currently with its very portable quick experience um you know less hardware intensive kind of uh, like you know get most of, get most bang for your buck basically um yeah and, and i still think that there's still this idea that you know slap a headset on or a set of yeah, glasses and i don't need a physical you know i don't need a physical screen in front of me uh, you know if, or if i did want that on all the time i could have the video conference happening over here i could have a whiteboard up here and you know, in my virtual space. And I still think there's a, I, I totally get the vision of it, just nobody's really landed that as a practical thing. Um, I did see, and I was trying to find it, there was um, there was a, there was one of the big, you know, it was like, like Goldman Sachs type or, a, you know, a Barclays or somebody, somebody had went and invested in a thousand odd quests as a, as a way of um, bringing the office and work, sorry the office and home together by putting in people the same virtual space with a headset on and i was like no that would you know summer meetings are bad enough without having to strap that on and spend <laughs> you know 90 minutes or two hours you know doing that that would be uncomfortable you know there's i get it from a leisure perspective and i get it even just around the, the how it might help in certain scenarios but yeah you know i think forcing it in people you know it's like a lot of people cannot use these platforms you know, but there's a there's a good proportion at will, um, and, and I do think we're. I still it still feels like we're five ten years away. You know, we've been talking about VR for fifteen years, and it still feels we're five ten years away. Kind of longer than that, really. When we first saw those kind of just single line VR yeah. environments, that yeah. were kind of. I, I I think if you think back to Games Master and places like that, they would often have a segment <laughs> where they showed something like that. Well, Tomorrow's World definitely Tomorrow's showed World them. Did. Yeah. And and they always used to tell you about how amazing it was to be, even in that kind of single line geometry world, being in this, it's actually a 3D environment. And, and it's not until you try VR that you really feel that and you go, oh my God, yeah, I now get what you mean. You're totally. really there. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's still something compelling about it. But yeah, they still haven't quite found that. Uh, uh, rather, you know, where we had 3D TV and we kind of saw that it was going away. I Steve, uh, this is sticking around. I still think they're still finding their home for it, but but I don't think it's technology that's going to disappear. Sure. No, and there's lots of rumours around Apple doing AR glasses or VR AR headsets next year, and 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 you know maybe the year after. Um, so there's 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 definitely something there, I, and there's something quite compelling about putting a pair of glasses. And you know, I think that's a, that whole what, the hidden world, yeah, yeah, cyberpunk television. You know, walking down the street, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. You um, say cyberpunk, I say Terminator. I know, 
I know, but I was what, what is cyberpunk? I I, I noticed through the week they're saying it's down to under ten thousand concurrent gamers in Steam now. It's just it's just just fell off a cliff. I haven't, uh, you know, I I've only played the opening hour and a half. I I just yeah. haven't gone back to it at yeah. all. Yeah. Don't Strange. know why. It's that there waiting for me, and I just I'm playing other things at the moment. Yep. Two other things from the Sony announcement as well. So chip shortages. Um, calling it again that the that the they expected the chip shortages to run through this year. Um, it'll ease incrementally. So again. I'm still seeing people tweeting when either an Xbox, you know, X Series X or the PS5 is available somewhere. It's they are very short it's supply. A thing, yeah. um, I was on a training course and somebody said their their kid wanted a, a Series X, and somebody else was like, "Yeah, my kid wanted a PS5." And I'm sitting there going, oh, "So should have held on to mine, shouldn't I? Should have sculpted it." Next year, I could have been a millionaire. And the other no, the other no shock. So Gran Turismo Seven delayed to next year. Similar due to COVID, and I think we will see other games probably slip, you know, as as the year goes on into next year. Um, but the GT games have always been delayed. You know, it's like it's like whatever. Like they're over so many years anyway. Something's going to happen. Some world events going to happen. Yeah. Yep. Let's end with a few more news stories around uh, gaming. Then um, Xbox announced their X, uh, FPS boost feature. So this is for playing backward compatibility games on the latest hardware and seeing massive increases in frames per second. So where maybe they were 30% before, 30 frames per second before and struggling, they're now rock solid 60 uh, frames per second. So just by playing your old games on your new hardware, you are gaining all that extra fidelity and sometimes even upscaling as far as uh, resolution goes. And with something like Super Lucky Tail, um, 120 frames per second as well they've managed so it all depends on how the original game was built as to whether it can accept that um but nevertheless quite a lot of games have seen that performance boost and it kind of reinvigorates we we saw it even with the things like halo which we've gone back to the the you know the it does it reinvigorate the game and make it feel more solid um you know, just from just from that sort of thing so that was extremely welcome news and again a very another a great feather in the the cap of the xbox platform for sure um uh, and also this week we've seen the finalization of the bethesda acquisition so they're 7.5 billion pounds we saw kind of, I think it was a couple of days ago, they said, yep, yeah, we're done. We've got regulatory approval. We can go ahead with this. And then the, they announced what their vision is. And their vision is definitely going to include uh, Xbox and PC exclusive games. Uh, maybe not all of them, but certainly that's their direction. They do want this to be Xbox focused. And then I think yesterday, they all the games were 20 backward compatibility or games from the past have now come to Games Pass immediately. Um, so if you're a Games Pass you know, subscriber and you haven't played these games before, then they're there. If you have played them before, then maybe it'll reinvigorate your, you know, desire to go and do that now. Um, so yeah, again, just a pretty massive thing to add to the Xbox arsenal and especially is immediately adding it into the Games Pass. And as I, they've already announced as well, a handful of the games that they've added um, to Games Pass will very shortly get the FPS boost applied to them as well. So I think Fallout 76 was called. It's interesting. So Fallout 76 got a lot of bad press at the start. But I was reading yesterday, the day before, that it's one of the most played Fallout games have really polished it seemingly. And it's got a a, a really good, you know, amount of people still playing. I think it was overall, it was a case of oversell, oversell a concept that really didn't quite realize to how they, you know, they get up on stage and they tell you what it's going to be like to live in this persistent work, you know, persistent fallout world that you can build bases and have that kind of persistence. And and it kind of didn't really match up to that. But like you say, you know, games like that do attract a a lot of attention, Um, whether it's going to get new attention now that it's on Games Pass. Well, we've seen other games massively expand as soon as they go onto Games Pass. So, yeah, there's no reason why not. Yeah, I think that is everything we were going to talk about. That's everything that's happened in the last four weeks. Yeah, four, it's not five, everything that's four happened. Five. Yeah, I was going to say there is more things. But a lot of them don't stick. It's important stuff. Of course it is. Um, I don't know if you've got a pick, but we're nearly up to our hour mark, and I think that's probably enough for people to listen to us droning on, isn't it? I have no picks. You can find out more about us, digitaloutbox.com. Info at digitaloutbox.com is our email address. Twitter is digitaloutbox. I am on Twitter myself as Cheesy UK. And Ian, where can you find you? Um, I'm just checking it's up. Iandick.com. I have been, I have been <laughs> absolutely, um, absolutely um, bombarded with um, people trying to hack my my website, which is, it doesn't does in fact 
affect the podcast website as well. But it's still up. Okay. So, all good. Well, fingers crossed that will fade I say away, bombarded yeah. thousands of IPs I've blocked over the last two days try to, trying to hack my, my websites. The fun of... The fun of modern day website ownership. It is. Happy days. All right. And we will speak to you again soon. Not going to say when, but soon. It will speak soon. Bye. Bye. I was going to see Apple after that Apple announcement, but I don't know when that is. <laughs> so, Could be decades. Well, no, I think I think we're saying twenty something so much. Okay. So it's it's a couple like of weeks a week away. away. No, a couple of, is it? Oh yeah, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thirteen plus seven. Mm. Thanks for that. I even did that math. See how quick <laughs> how quick I am. Eh? It was it wasn't it wasn't how quick you were, it was my doubting is it? <laughs> but actually it's frightening how quickly March has gone. It's like, oh my goodness. It is. In fact, where's my last two years gone? Screw you, world. <laughs>